Hello out there, fight fans. Scott Fontana here, welcoming you to episode 50 of the Couchside Judges with my partner Dan Urban for a stuff-to-the-brim look at a busy weekend. UFC, as usual, put on a show at UFC Apex on Saturday night, while Bellator promoted events for Mohegan Sun on back-to-back nights, the second of which went head-to-head with the Octagon action. An action-packed weekend indeed, but no fight caused more fan uproar than Michelle Waterson's split-decision victory over Angela Hill in the UFC headliner. We'll discuss that fight as well as another close split decision from Friday's Bellator main event that went Phil Davis's way over Lyoto Machida. And this episode wouldn't be complete without my thoughts on the controversial ending of Ed Herman and Mike Rodriguez's bout in Las Vegas. Dan, didn't I say last week on the show that Angela Hill is no stranger to close decisions? Absolutely. <laughs> and here we go again, pr- predictably, you know, and this is this is not a knock on Angela Hill. This is not trying to trying to be negative or anything like that. But, you know, she just seems to find her way into these close fights. Uh, same with Michelle Watterson, for that matter. So I think we were kind of always destined to walk into a, a close split decision like we had. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, just the way it goes. It was a fun fight, though. It was such a fun fight. And that, that's getting lost in this whole thing. You know, I wrote about this a little more at length for my MMA news.com but and, and I hope you check that out but this was this was really an awesome fight that I think people are complaining a little too much about how it went um you know if anyone should be mad Angela Hill and her people should be mad I I, I anyone who's associated with Angela Hill and and has a, a personal stake in her career especially her they can be mad but I mean us at home let's just appreciate the the fantastic fight both these women put on yeah definitely a great fight but, you know, obviously we talk about judging here, you know, we could talk about exciting fights all we want. But this, you know, when we <laughs> what's our show about if we're not going to kind of dive into the judging of this fight, right? Yeah, it's time to dive on in round two and round five. These were the only rounds that anybody was, you know, arguing over which way they could have went. Everyone knew that Hill won the first round. Everyone knew that Watterson won rounds three and four. So we're just talking about two and five. And, and honestly, I knew that these were going to be splits even before they announced the announce the winner or announce what the scores were i just kind of had that feeling about this did you uh definitely about five i, I couldn't really recall two uh okay. in the in the moment i got you. well let's start with two anyway so how did you have that one scored two i went for hill 10-9 very close round waterson had some good combos but i think hill was just landing harder and every time she landed she got a better reaction i think you're right you know this again i went into length about this um, but the gist is that, you know, close round on the numbers, close round by the eye test too. And, you know, it really felt like it as, as I was watching it, but I did think that Hill, especially she had that really good strike kind of midway through a right hook that it really kind of moved Waterson kind of off to the side because it landed so well. And then she followed it up with another unanswered right hook. So these were two punches that stood out for me in a big way. Those are big shots. Those are the things that, you know, you remember from the round. You know, you don't remember all the, you know, the little pitter patter shots, you, the bigger moments stand out. And if that's, you know, what you remember, that's what you're going to, you know, score for. I do think people are just counting how successful Watterson was with her kicks and, and, you know, working in combinations here and there because she was landing. She was scoring. It wasn't in my estimation to the same degree as Hill, but it was very close. Like I, I don't blame someone for going Watterson in this round. So, you know, we had. A split round here among the judges. It was Chris Lee and Derek Cleary who saw it as you and I did for Hill, but Sal D'Amato went Michelle Watterson. And 
I really don't have as much a problem with it as everyone else does. Yeah, I'm not going to fault him for this round. I mean, it's a close round. It's it's not like Waterson wasn't landing. No, not at all. You know, and and depending on a billion factors that we can't really understand because we're not cage side, this easily could have gone, you know, the other way just if maybe Sal had a better angle at something, you know? It's hard to say or maybe he didn't have as good an angle at something, you know? Yeah, for sure. You, you never know what we're not cage side. They they get some other uh, variables in play when you're sitting right there. So who knows? A lot different feedback for sure. And that's what judges tell us all the time. You know, any anytime we talk to a judge and there's a round like this, it's very close. They're quick to tell us, hey, you know, maybe just because they were their cage side, they know a little bit better. It was a close round. So, you know, I'm again, I'm not going to crucify Sal D'Amato here. Yeah, me neither. Enough people have, unfortunately. But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but honestly, you know this this round wouldn't have even made a difference in the winner of the fight. You know, you can you can not like it one way or the other, but everything came down to the fifth round. Yeah, fifth round was one hundred percent the deciding factor in this fight because it was we had two judges at thirty eight all. If you have two judges tied, that means yeah, it's up to the last round. So what about that round though? How did you score it? I ended up scoring it for Angela Hill. So you gave her the win. Yeah, I scored it for Hill for the win. Round five was another really close round. Mm-hmm. Waterson, you know, she was landing those combos, which she did throughout the fight, where she's finishing it with a kick, usually a low kick. And I thought those were pretty solid. But Angela Hill was landing her own strikes in that, that entire round, pretty much. And I thought going into the final minute, it was pretty even. And then Hill's going to land a nice right, which you'll see Waterson stumbles a bit. And... I thought that was probably the turning point for me, which started leaning into Hill's favor. And while in that last minute, Waterson had some decent offense, I thought that final 10-second flurry with the knees and the elbow put it over for Hill. You know, sometimes sometimes in those last 10 seconds, it really does win it, win around, especially when it is super close or when they are super damaging. I didn't think, and you know, I've watched this round twice. Did you get to watch it twice yet? Yeah, I watched it twice. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we've, we've seen it twice. We we've kind of intimately understand this round probably in a way that people who just watched it once didn't, but I didn't think that those knees were quite as damaging as they kind of looked maybe, or, or compared to the entire body of work in the round. I mean, we had almost 80 strikes landed in this round here. So to talk about four or so knees, which were good knees, making the entire difference in the round it may have but it may not have for me i actually had waterson kind of leading a little bit going into the final minute like it wasn't just a dead heat for me i thought she was up just a little bit and then i thought hill she had some good nice lands there but it was kind of a back and forth situation and yeah hill ended up on a good note you would think because you hear all the time oh you know if you end strong it leaves a good impression on the judges well you know sometimes it does here it didn't necessarily because D'Amato and Cleary they gave it to Watterson and it was only Chris Lee who saw it the same way as you for Hill I saw it for Watterson but I mean really close it could have gone either way it's totally fine I, I got no issue with Watterson getting around and like you said you know it shouldn't just come down to the final 10 seconds the thing is to me it was just that close sure and and, and that's a totally fair take and anybody who's sitting at home and they think oh yeah Watterson just didn't do enough in this round compared to Hill as far as the quality of her strikes landed. That's fine. I'm not going to dispute that. This is a subjective kind of thing because we're just watching it. Only Hill and Watterson can really tell us how they actually felt. It's, you know, we're, we're just interpreting. 
I, yeah, I just, I don't understand why people are getting just so worked up about this. It's, it's not that bad a decision. It was close, but it's not that bad. I think people just honestly like Angela Hill more than they like Michelle Waterson. And look, I'm kind of with you. I, I really like Angela Hill. She's extremely likable. You know, sometimes I interact with her on Twitter because I, I love that she's a gamer who plays the same type of games I would. And uh, and I'm a huge fan of that. So, look, if, if, I, if I was to try and, you know, vote with my heart here, I'm giving Hill the round. But that's not what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the anger is outside of maybe they just really like Angela Hill. But if, if they're going to be angry, I think they should be angry at the pay structure. Be angry oh, yes. that someone isn't getting a win bonus in such a yeah. close fight, in, in such a great fight. I agree. That's where if you want to be mad because it hurt Angela Hill's wallet and you sympathize with her, I'm with you. I don't think it should have come down to that. You know, these, these ladies took home fight of the night, obviously. So at least there's the bonus. But honestly, I think it's probably time that they seriously increase the bonus that these fighters get post fight because it's been the same for about seven years or so yeah it's time to go up it's it's long overdue i mean the thing probably should have increased by ten thousand every single year we should be up to a hundred thousand dollar bonuses it, it's it shouldn't even be like remotely close to the 50 we have this should be like a mega bonus but yeah and the bonus, that the bonuses shouldn't be 500 percent of your salary for the fight oh god it's so <laughs> stupid uh especially in the case of those poor undercard fighters who are just begging for money yeah Ugh. It, that makes me sick for them. Uh, but anyway, uh, neither here nor there. <sighs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the way the pay structure works in, in the UFC. I just don't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole sport like that, really. All combat you know, sports, really. Certain athletes are able to position themselves to avoid that kind of thing. You know, there's there are certain fighters in Bellator. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ryan Bader is one of them who just gets a flat fee. You know, certain championship level fighters can do that as well. Or, you know, big draws, those kind of fighters. Um, but that's that's rarefied air, of course. Yeah. And it's a shame. Someone like I always think of someone like Cowboy Cerrone. Come on. You're not watching him because you because you expect him to win or something like that. You know, you're watching him because, you know, this dude comes to fight. He's a fighter. Yeah. You don't care if he wins or loses. I mean, you care in a sense that you like the guy. But like if he wins or loses, he's going to entertain you. That's why you tuned in. Yeah. You know, he's putting Just on let a show. him get paid no matter what. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, that's that's too tangential, I think, for this show. I could go on and on about fighter pay, but uh, ultimately, yeah, it's just this is just not a decision that I think people ought to be getting worked up about. No, for sure not. But let's move on. There, we've got not only UFC, like we mentioned, there was also Bellator, uh, and they had two events, of course, because hey, why not just take up your Friday and Saturday nights with Bellator, <laughs> uh, especially when there's a UFC card on. But this. Friday event was headlined by Phil Davis and Leota Machida, which, you know, we talked about this fight all week in the lead up because Machida has been in some close fights over the years as well. And this fight pretty much lived down to expectations. Would you say? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, it was about as boring as the first one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So but... it's a rematch here. And Phil Davis, he came out on top in a split. Listen, I love Leota Machida, but, you know, I, I think even I was concerned that this was going to be a kind of boring fight. Uh, it, it ended up being more competitive than I thought it would be, but it was a split in a three round fight and it was up to round one. This was the split round. How did you have this round? Did you go Davis or Machida? No, I gave this one to Machida. I thought, so you think Machida should have won? Yeah. Machida should have won this round. Uh, and the fight. Yeah. And, and ultimately the fight. Yeah. But this round with him, it was just like a, 
they were staring at each other for a while. Very, you know, yep. very calculated. I, I, I suppose you can put it that way. Uh, trying tactical is, yeah, I think, the the kind word. Yeah, feeling each other out, and uh, there really wasn't much action. But I thought the light kicks that Machida was landing were were better strikes than anything Davis threw. Yeah, I think especially later in the round is where you saw Machida start to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say poured on, but he started to land a little better than he had for the previous half of the fight, which was not much at all. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, this is we talk about these rounds super close and low output. It's like the split decision cocktail. Oh, yeah. You got to give the judges something to score. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate here. Uh, they didn't do any favors to Doug Crosby, Brian Miner, and David Torelli, but uh, it was only Crosby who saw it for Machida, as you and I did, whereas Brian Miner uh, and Torelli went 10-9 Davis. And I don't have a problem with that at all, because again, this is this is like a super close round. You know, their 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 understanding of how to judge a fight is more refined than mine, so I trust their judgment in that sense. But enough you know, watching at home, I thought Machida won. I'm not worked up about it, but. It is what it is. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. Maybe they saw the head kick from Davis as, you know, a lot stronger than we did. It certainly could have been. You know, again, a lot of a lot of feedback that they get cage side that you and I do not. So, you know, as much as you and I would say, okay, Machida probably deserved the win here in our estimation. Too close to us to care that much. And, and I'm you know, I say defer to the judges. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Those were the big decisions from the weekend. And obviously they were in big spots too. But there was... A peculiar 10-8 situation that I'd like to get to uh, in one of the UFC undercard fights. And that was the 29-27 unanimous decision victory. All three cards. Sajara Eubanks getting the win over Julia Avila. It seems on the surface that this should be like, you know, a normal 29-27 across the board. One of the rounds was 10-8 across the board. And then, you know, the other two were 10-9 splits the other way. But that wasn't the case here. I was stunned to look at this card and find out that it was actually D'Amato who went the opposite of his other two compatriots, Ron McCarthy and Mike Bell. And he gave a 10-8 in a completely different round than they did. Yeah, it's kind of strange. It was very strange. So let, let's let's dive in. So round two, this is coming off a, an Avila round where she won 10-9. No, no questions there. Uh, but Sajara, she starts to really pour it on here. Once she gets the takedown kind of about a minute in, right? Yeah. This round two is the clear 10-8 in, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. It was just total grappling dominance for like most of the round and tight. She had three sub attacks, two oh. really strong arm triangles. Arm triangle. Those were tight. I, I don't know how she didn't get the finish on those. You know, the, the grappling dominance was there. You know, you had submission attempts. You had a mix of some ground strikes here and there too. I think she, she was even doing a little bit of work in, in kind of that exchange they had uh on the feet that wasn't very long but you know and and again you're talking about duration four minutes with a ton of elongated uh or i should say lengthy sub attacks this is three d's this is textbook three d's if you ask me it's not like she was in an arm triangle for like a split second and got escaped and she was squeezing for like she was sitting on the telephone for a little while it was was had to be like a good like 45 seconds on each of these attacks i didn't time it i'm curious but i mean that was it was lengthy enough. I don't see how you could see this any other way but a 10 8. Uh, apparently, Sal did not. Um, we'll get to more on Sal in a second here for this one. But round three, though, did you see this one as a 10 8 or a 10 9 for, for Eubanks? 
I didn't see this one as, as a 10A. I scored it 10-9 for Eubanks. She had a good round. Yeah. It was a good round. Good top control, some good strikes, and but she really didn't pour it on or, or really go for it like she did in round two. No, there were no sub attempts. Like the final 10 seconds of the fight is when she started tonight. Just tee off a bit. Yeah. But I didn't think that was enough to get her a 10-8. No, I, I don't think so either. I think probably this one you could argue tech ticked off uh, like two of the three Ds, which at that point, yeah, you can consider a 10-8. It's, my, my issue isn't necessarily that D'Amato went 10-8 here and McCarthy and Bell only went 10-9, even though I agree with uh, the two of them. Mm-hmm. I understand why you could give the 10 8 here. That's not the problem. My problem is why is this a 10 8 to D'Amato and not round two? Exactly. Which is so clearly a 10 8. Right. So that there's a little inconsistency there. It's a lot of inconsistency. That's that's the type of thing that I think, uh, you know, to borrow something I, I wrote in a, my MMA news, it, it muddies the water for how us at home and fighters and coaches and everybody else can understand what a 10 8 is supposed to be. It confuses things. And, you know, it's funny because D'Amato took a beating online for his 49-46 score in the main event, which neither of us has a problem with. That's fine. I see 49-46. I, I didn't go that way, but I see it totally. Here, yeah. I have a big issue with not going 10-8 in the second round and then going 10-8 in the third. That's that's something that actually kind of, you know, it irks me. He's a great judge. Look, he's one of the best judges out there. He's respected by his peers. He's the most prolific judge in the world. He is human, but I think he dropped the ball here. I do. Yeah. His scorecard, if he's given round three a 10-8, he should have had a 29-26. Yeah, that, I think so, that's too. What I, I think that's, if, if that had happened, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not complaining at all. I really wouldn't at all. It would just be You'd just be wondering, hey, you know, is this round three a 10-8 or not? That would just be – it would be one of our simple, you know, innocuous conversations about 10-8s, and yeah. then we move on. Yep. But, yeah, here it's just it – wasn't, it wasn't the best look – from uh from Sal D'Amato, but you know I, I have faith he'll bounce back. He's he's a quality judge. He's again respected by his peers for very good reason. Um, and ultimately, it didn't even matter because you know everyone had the same score anyway. So you know we're, we're splitting hairs here. But you you just you want to hold you want to hold the especially the top judges of the world to a high standard. I'm sure they hold themselves to a higher standard than we hold them to. So oh yeah, definitely yeah. But that's that's kind of all the rounds we really wanted to dive deep into we'll just kind of ran through uh real quick here about a bunch of ufc and bellator rounds that were you know split for one reason or another didn't have a major impact on it on the uh, result of the fight one or the other so let's go to lightning rounds dan yeah let's you started it. off who we got we got brian barbarina over anthony ivy by unanimous decision round one yeah. was split yeah ufc i had this one for barbarina 10-9 uh, just as Junichiro Camillo and Rick Winter did. What about you? I also scored it for Barbarina. I didn't think uh, Ivy had all that much effective offense. He had a lot of control, but you're really nothing behind it. And Barbarina was landing pretty hard strikes. Yeah, the power punches were more impactful than the takedown and follow-up strikes from Ivy. Uh, Dave Hagen went Ivy, but you know, I, I I didn't see it that much. It wasn't a terrible score, but I just didn't see it. Uh, the next one we have though, another UFC bout: Billy Quarantillo over Kyle Nelson. By third round knockout, but it was the first round that was split here. Uh, how did you see it? I went for Quarantillo. I thought the calf kicks were really adding up, and he had better damage throughout the round, and that's why I went there. I agree. He pulled away late, in my opinion, in a close round. This this actually was close, and I don't have much of a uh, qualm with it going one way or the other here, but only Derek Cleary 
saw it the same as you and I for Quarantillo. Uh, Tony Weeks and Chris Lee had 10-9 Nelson here. Ultimately, it didn't matter, of course. Uh, another one we've got uh, earlier in the event, the UFC event, Sabina Mazo. She pulled off a really incredible comeback, which we'll talk about later, over Justine Kish. Third round sub, but it was the first round that was close. How did you see it? It was very close on the feet. And then once uh, Mazo was on the ground and Kish landed that big right jumping into her guard and then landed some decent strikes from, from top, I thought that pushed it over for her. I scored it for Kish. Yeah, it was it was the the leg kicks for me. Honestly, I just okay. thought the leg kicks were really powerful, and and that was honestly it just did more work than than uh, Mazo's jab was, which was working, sure. Uh, and and she cut Kish with over the eye, but yeah, I just I didn't think it was. Uh, I I I thought it was a pretty good round for Kish ultimately. So did uh, Bell and Winter, who sided with you and I. Uh, Junichiro Kamijo was the one who went for Mazo, but close round again didn't matter. Switching over to Bellator though. In the main event on Saturday, and this was the final fight we saw of the weekend, Juan Archuleta winning the vacant bantamweight title over Patchy Mix by unanimous decision. Round two was the only round that was split, and it didn't ultimately affect the result. But how would you see this one? I went for Archuleta. You know, Patchy was doing great. He had the back. I mean, he was not really putting together that great attacks the way he did in round one, though. And, you yeah, know, that was a good first round. That yeah. f- the final minute, Archuleta, every strike he landed was hard. And he had the better, yeah, so hard, better offense oh, overall. Yes, and I mean it was all on the ground. He was punishing him. This bigger impact from the strikes than I think uh, the grappling dominance from Mix. So yeah, I went for Archuleta too. So did David Torelli. Uh, it was Miner and Crosby who went for Mix. But you know, again, I, I do see the argument one or the other. I just I didn't go that way. Now witches and and another Bellator one here, of course, Kat Zingano. She got a unanimous nod over Gabby Holloway uh, on Friday night. The third round ultimately didn't matter. It didn't affect the outcome here. But who did you have in this round? I scored it for Holloway 10-9. Me too. Had the mount, was landing some big strikes from there. And while it gets reversed and Zingano ends the round on top, you know, she didn't do as much work in the position she had as much as Holloway when she had the dominant position. You know, this was a tale of two halves. It's one of these fights that these are another close round of sc- or tough round to score because, you know, you got one half of the round where somebody's doing real work and then it's kind of to a high degree. And the second half of the round, the other fighters doing real work to a high degree. And it's like, well, which one, you know, do you go with? Do you weigh who's kind of doing better? Because Holloway had kind of faded as far as her gas tank and almost seemed to be kind of just riding out the round. Uh, I went Holloway, too. So did Jaron Vallel. Uh, whereas Jacob Montalvo and Brian Miner had 10-9 Zingano. But yeah, I mean, these are tricky rounds. I'm not mad at it, but I, I did side with Holloway. And the final one, Neiman Gracie retiring John Fitch with a round two submission by, what was a heel hook, right? A heel, ho- heel hook slash knee bar. It was brutal. It was pretty nasty. But the first round, though, was close on the judges' scorecards. Who'd you see it for? I scored this one for Gracie. You know, Fitch had good knees against the fence but Gracie's the one who put Fitch in the most danger of the fight being finished he had a heel hook attack he had an arm bar submission attempt and I thought those are what give him the the win in this round yeah the grappling dominance was totally uh the bigger element of this round I think it, it outweighed anything Fitch did when he was standing uh, you know because again the the you, you're looking for these subs these fight ending type subs and they were you know they weren't like super close attacks but they were good attacks it, it still scored for me. Uh, so, you know, I sided with Jacob Montalvo and David Peabody, uh, just as you did for Gracie. 
Uh, it was only Vallel who went for Fitch 10-9. But again, ultimately didn't matter. John Fitch rides off into the sunset. And, but you know, of course, the, the judges certainly between the two events had some undisputed fights. We're only talking about with Bellator, the main card here. We, we didn't dive deep into the prelims uh, as well. Uh, but we did have Liz Carmouche getting the third round sub over Deanna Bennett. This was a split 19-19 through two rounds with Carmouche getting the first, Bennett getting the second. No disagreements there. Keone Diggs getting the round three sub as well over Derek Campos. And he was up 20 to 18 through two rounds. No argument. Switching over to UFC. We got Roxanne Montefiore over Andrea Lee. 29-28s all the way. Bobby Green over Alain Patrick by unanimous nod. 30-27. No questions asked. Ed Herman, who we'll talk about a little <laughs> later, getting getting the win over Mike Rodriguez with a third round sub. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. But Rodriguez was up 20 to 18 through two rounds. And on the earlier part, we had heavyweights you know big body heavyweights here alexander romanov getting the round two sub over uh roke martinez absolutely he monsters. had a 10-8 in the first these guys are monsters they were <laughs> <laughs> you love them didn't you i actually yeah that's i could watch that heavyweights all the time <laughs> bad body heavyweights yeah. that's what's up uh and then the final one jalen turner he got another round two sub subs a plenty this weekend this was wild weekend for submissions uh over brock weaver uh, in the second round here, and it was a 10-9 round one for Turner. No disagreement. I think we got it all. Yeah, wow. Busy weekend. Busy, busy weekend. That oh was my a busy goodness. mouthful, I, too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to find enough time to to spend time with my wife for our anniversary, too. So, Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that, sir. Uh, talk about finishes, though. We had a lot of finishes this weekend. Seven on the UFC card, four main card finishes between two Bellator events. All right, yeah, Scott, we had a lot of finishes. Do you have a favorite? For me, it was definitely Mazo coming back. with. She got a knockdown in the third round, rear naked choke finish, and she was definitely losing on the cards. It was on, on two cards. Kish was up 20 to 18. We're not talking about a situation where Mazo could do anything else but get the finish, basically, unless she gets a 10-8 you know, round to you know turn it into a, you know, a majority draw, and she doesn't want that. So she did exactly what she needed to do. Put her down, choked her out, showed that Kish doesn't have any instinctual uh, rear naked choke defense when she's rocked no, either. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> heed he the words of the Wu-Tang Clan. Protect your neck. <laughs> yeah, that that was very impressive by Mazo. She needed a finish, and she went out and got it. Yeah, I mean, that's what's up. Credit to her. Uh, what about you, though? What was your favorite finish of the evening? Or of the weekend, I should say. My favorite finish this weekend was also a comeback victory of mm -hmm. sorts. Uh, Ed Herman, Kimura of Mike Rodriguez in the third round. Yep. After Just your typical third round stoppage. Yeah, well, totally. But, I mean, <laughs> Ed also lost in this fight in the second round <laughs> to a Rodriguez knee to the body. That was Yeah, that fight was stopped, wasn't it? Right after a knee to the body, a legal, uh, technically a legal knee to the body. Both these men came out this fight one and one. Yeah. Let's go into that a little more in depth. You know, people who are listening to us, I assume, watch the fight. But why don't we explain exactly what happened here? Yeah. Round two, Mike Rodriguez has Ed Herman in a clinch against the cage and he's throwing knees and Herman just doubles over in pain. And referee Chris Tyone calls time because he thought it was a low blow. Mike and it wasn't. Yeah. R Mike Rodriguez immediately said, what are you calling time for you know, to the body? 
Tyone said, no, it was low. Gave Herman five minutes to recover. The replay showed it was clearly a body shot, which hurt Herman. Fight should have been and, stopped. And he didn't actually have the ability to look at the replay either. Yeah, unfortunately, if he did look at the replay, it's a fight's automatically, automatically over, which is kind of weird. Shows there's a hole in the way uh, replay is done in Nevada and presumably everywhere else in the country because Nevada's usually ahead on this stuff. Yeah, and, you know, to no fault of Ed Herman... Ed Herman is not a cheater, everybody. He, he gave, he worked with what he was given, and you would too. Yeah, I mean, he's got like we like we mentioned earlier. There's a win bonus on the line here. So, do everything I can to get that money. Absolutely. Get out of here. So now we move on to the third round. He makes it out of this round. Rodriguez drops him again with body shot, and he, and he looked done. <laughs> yeah, he did. Herman looked like this. Uh, Tyone's going to step in any second. This fight's over, but. Somehow, Herman weathers the storm and locks up a Kimura and gets the victory. Wild, wild finish. I mean, you have to give all the credit in the world for Herman to find the will to get that win, you know, independent of what happened before. Because, again, he really did look like he was on the verge of being finished even in the third round, and he still came back to win. But it was a messed up situation. Yeah, yeah. messed up situation. Way to gut it out for Herman. Um feel terrible for mike rodriguez uh he at least did get his win bonus but it i I, it comes down to replay the referee is only human he can only see so much yeah i don't want to throw tanyoni over the under the bus for this one there there are limitations so i mean did he make a mistake of course but tough spot man just give why can't we just give referees the tools to do the job better it's so stupid that we leave them out on the on a on a limb here to deal with stuff like this. If he just had one extra tool, say, "Hey, go look at that." You could put it up on the board and know within a minute. Mm-hmm. And then he would look at it and be like, "Oh, that was to the to the body." Oh, fight's over. Yeah, fight's Lost. over. TKO. It's easy. Very easy. It's so easy. I, someone get on this, please. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't even the only uh, kind of weird refereeing stuff we had from the weekend. And then you know, most of that was isolated actually over Bellator's side. Uh, one in particular, actually two in particular, in the same round in the Archuleta Mix fight. Round four, you see Mix absorb a kick to the body from Archuleta while he's trying to kind of get up. And it was definitely a legal kick to the body, but Jason Herzog mistook it for a kick to the head. It was not. It wasn't even aimed at the head. It was totally legal, but Mix got a break. Mixed. And again, you know, again, I, and I'm not trying to throw Jason Herzog under the bus either here, but, you know, because it, it, we're talking about another situation where, you know, sometimes the positioning of, of the referee compared to when the strike lands, you, you can miss that kind of thing. But it's, you know, it's unfortunate. It allowed Mix to recover. And then later on in the round, the same round, Archuleta absorbs an eye poke from Mix and Herzog missed it. Says, no, keep fighting. So Archuleta's on the on the wrong end of two foul non-foul situations here you know and he still ended up winning the round <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the funny thing the, I, I can kind of forgive the eye poke slightly that, that's, that's kind of tougher happen, to yeah. see but the kick if he landed a head kick it's not like archuleta's throwing these you know feeler leg kicks out or feeler kicks out if he hit him in the head it would have been pretty damaging i think we would have known that he landed in the yeah head. <laughs> and but it didn't it really didn't like it wasn't even close it was under the armpit like Come on. And also to keep on uh, Herzog slightly a little bit, Friday night we saw two really terrible groin strikes. In Raymond Daniels' fight against Peter Stanonic, he landed two spinning kicks straight to the groin. At one point, Stanonic was crying. I felt horrible for After him. After that second one, yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. 
Uh, I just don't agree. Obviously, they ended the fight pretty quickly after that second one. They turned it into a no contest. Right. I just think even though these were unintentional, you got to be able to control your strike. These happened within 16 seconds of fight time between each other after a five-minute halt to let Stenonic re- uh, recover. After the I mean, first that's one. on Daniels to be able to control that or not. That has, that has nothing to do right. with the actual but that, call that, here. But that's what I'm saying. He has yeah. to control it. So if he can't control it, he should be penalized, even though it's well, unintentional. He, I think the reason why you penalize them is not because, you know, either he can or can't control it. It's the fact that he left damage. It was a heavy, heavy Stenotic damage was there. compromised. Yeah. He was damaged. I mean, that was just about as bad a, uh, a low kick as we're ever really going to see. You know, it was kind of heel straight to the cup. And you can just take a point for damage. Uh, you don't have to care about intent. One point for damage, one point for intent. I'm with you. You can take a point. I think I think Jason Herzog would have been well within his right to just take a point the first time. And again, we're talking about something in hindsight didn't matter, but we didn't know that at the time. And it just kind of highlights something that we see in MMA way too often is the, the reticence to be able to take a point for fouls. Just take a point. Sometimes it's warranted. And this isn't this isn't even singling on Jason Herzog. I don't want to pick on Jason Herzog here. He's doing what just about every other referee does in this situation is they let it go. And I know they don't want to inject themselves in the fight. That's how, it's respectable. I mean, you know, when we watch other sports, we don't love it when the referees assert themselves too much. Just let them play sometimes. But here and in other situations like this, you just take the point. Let them learn. You can't just do that with impunity. Well, that's a wrap for another edition of the Couchside Judges. I'm going to give Dan and I a pat on the back for managing to put everything into this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Check back with us again on Friday when we're expecting to welcome a very talented guest to the show. Keep an eye on social media for more info when we're ready to share. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. And my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter as well at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Once again, thanks for listening, guys. Later. Later.